Good morning, everybody. Morning, Amanda. Are you all right? Good, good. Great stuff. Good to be kind of gathering together here, or if you're watching us and connecting in online, it's good to have you uh, with us. As Martin said at the beginning, we're kind of clicking back into a series that we uh, were kind of getting through uh, before kind of COVID and stuff hit. So we're picking up going through the Gospel of John again. And uh, just kind of looking at kind of, it's the autobiography, isn't it? Uh, the biography of Jesus and, and his time here on earth. And it's just amazing when we kind of spend some time just really digging into who Jesus was, what he did. That brings us so much encouragement and brings us so many kind of lessons to learn uh, for our lives here and now. So hopefully today we can pick that up. So as as you might be aware, John, the Gospel of John is John was one of Jesus's disciples. He's one of his uh, closest friends for the three years of Jesus's kind of public ministry, as it were. And today we're looking at the story uh, that involves Jesus, involves a physically blind man, and it also involves uh, some spiritually blind men as well. So we're going to look at those kind of things: Jesus, the blind man, physically blind, and spiritually blind men as well. And hopefully by that, we will find some things we can identify with, stuff that God can speak to us about and challenge us as we do that. So if you've got a Bible with you or uh, have an app on your device, we're going to John chapter 9. If you've got none of those things, then the words will come up on the screen uh, behind me. Okay. So John chapter 9, I'm just going to start the first 12 verses to begin with. It says, as he passed by, so talking about Jesus, as Jesus passed by, He saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. You see, sometimes people kind of say when they object to Christianity and they object to the Bible and they say it's just written by people, kind of nothing to do with it. They're just kind of myths and legends. If you were writing a story to try and make someone like Jesus look great, then you wouldn't write stuff like this, would you? Yeah, you know, how did Jesus do his miracles? He spat on some mud and talked about saliva in there. And depending on if he had a bit of a cold that day, it might be a bit more sticky than kind of average, you know. And then he said to him, you know, get this mud and saliva and then rub it in your eyes and go and wash it off. And then you'll be, you wouldn't write that, would you? 
Do you mean if you were like trying to you know create a story that sounded great, it would be that Jesus floated into this town just like an inch above the ground, and as he came to this person, he zapped him, and his eyes suddenly sprung open. You wouldn't make it up like this. So some of these stories I think are great because they, to me, help to make me think this is authentic. You know, this is kind of people writing down what happened rather than trying to create a you know a Disney version of Jesus. So an interesting kind of like opening here to our story, because this first character, the first guy that we come across is this man who was physically blind. And because of his physical disability, he was at a massive, massive social disadvantage. He wouldn't have been able to work. um, Therefore, he was left begging for money to live on. So that was his kind of lot. He'd been blind from birth. Um, Obviously, his family weren't able to support him. He was begging amongst lots of other people, trying to earn enough, get enough money to be able to live on. And in terms of social standing, he would have been pretty unimportant in that society. Most people wouldn't have looked at him, wouldn't have been interested in him. He'd have had no social standing whatsoever in their society. Sadly, not a lot has changed in the last 2,000 years in our supposedly more civilised society. A report by the Trussell Trust, who run food banks, one of ours is one of those food banks across the country, One of their reports last year found that, on average, 62% of working-age people referred to food banks in early 2020 had a disability as defined by the Equality Act in 2010, more than three times the rate in the general working-age population, which is about 19%. So people with physical and mental disabilities in our society are three times more likely to attend food bank than someone without a disability. 2,000 years later... Things haven't got a lot better, have they? This guy was having to beg because of his disability. And we're supposed to be more civilised and more, you know, look at us. Look at us. We're so kind of now advanced in society. Yet actually, if you've got a physical disability, we would expect coming to something like food bank, if it was proportional, be about 20% of people coming over with disability. No, 60%. Three times more than you would expect. It puts you at a massive social disadvantage in the UK if you have a physical or mental health disability in our day. That's not okay, is it? One person who 2,000 years ago didn't think that was okay was Jesus. And it's amazing, isn't it? We find him there, the Son of God, in amongst the people that are disadvantaged, the beggars, the people that no one else saw as important, no one else thought were worth being around. And in that moment, Jesus met both his physical need by bringing him healing for his loss of sight, his blindness, but he also met his spiritual need. And we'll look at that later on. Jesus was able to bring both those things to someone whose society disregarded, but that actually totally different lens. Let's pick up the story again in verse 13. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. And others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see now? 
And his parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. His parents were throwing him under the bus, if you want to say that way. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do not know, I do know, though, I was blind, now I see. Do you know, he must be getting bored of saying that. Like, you know, I was blind, I now see. I was, you know, how many times do I tell you? They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, sense the irritation in his voice. I have told you already. Go and tidy your room. No, and you would listen, you not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Great, great reply. Turn around. Do you want to be? Is that why you're so interested? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Amazing in God's kingdom where the person who was the beggar, the one who was totally unimportant in, in, God's, in the world's kingdom, suddenly is now roasting the religious leaders, isn't he? And saying to them, you know, you know, well, you want to become his disciple? Well, how, if, if he, he's not from God, how can he do these miracles? They've got no answer, have they, other than just to kick him out and say, you know, who are you to tell us? Don't you know who we are? I love, I love God's kingdom. It's incredible, isn't it? This kind of upside down kingdom of how God works. Now, the Pharisees, they were, the, they were one group of Jewish religious leaders, and they were really, really bothered about making sure that all the Jews followed the instructions that came from the law of Moses. Back in the Old Testament, where God spoke to Moses and gave him the law of how they could be living a righteous life, these guys, these religious leaders, these Jewish leaders, they were most bothered about making sure the rules were kept. They were like your proper job's worth kind of people. And they were really the opposite of the beggars. They were socially advantaged. They were considered powerful and important within their society. They're kind of like a lot further up the rungs in the social ladder. And these should have been the people. These should have been the people who would lead God's people in such a way that they would have, the world around them, the Roman Empire around them, would have experienced the love and mercy of God towards them because through the Jews' words and actions. This is what the religious leaders should have been doing. They should have been leading the people in such a way that the world experienced God's love and mercy. But instead, they were more bothered about whether Jesus had broken the rules about working on the Sabbath. They were desperate to expose Jesus as a fake healer. And they wanted more than anything to prove themselves right, that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. They weren't coming at this with an open mind, were they? They, had a, they knew what they believed, that Jesus, this guy, is not from God. He's a, he's a sinner. He's a fake. He's disrupting our kind of world, and we need to make sure that we shut him down. 
That's all they were bothered about more than anything else. Sadly, 2,000 years later, sometimes things haven't massively changed. Too many Christians are often more bothered about being right on matters of theology or creating a them and us attitude between the church and the world rather than looking to show God's love and mercy to the world around them. If you don't believe me, take any time to go onto social media, look at Christians debating each other about matters of theology or things like that. It's it's absolutely frightening because this isn't showing God's love to the world. It's being about people wanting to be proved right about how they interpret the Bible on how they believe things should be. I think it says a lot that these Pharisees weren't even pleased that the man who was blind from birth had now miraculously been healed. You know, have you ever seen on on kind of uh, Twitter or some of those things that when there's photos of like little kids who've suddenly been, you know, they've been giving them like ear implants and they suddenly hear for the first time and those kind of things. It's like in a moment when you're like, oh, you're well up. It's incredible. This guy, this is like amazing. He's obviously like an adult and, and, and like he's been blind from, they suddenly can see. But these Pharisees, they're not even like celebrating with him. They're not even saying, look, we don't even like this guy, Jesus. We don't know, think he's from God. But wow, mate, it's amazing. You can see. Let's just, you know, we're really chuffed for you. Not, they cast him out. They just, <laughs> it's, it's totally missing the point, isn't it? They were more annoyed that they had not won the argument than they were pleased for this guy and what had happened in his life. Jesus didn't enjoy the company of the Pharisees. They were servants of God who'd missed God's heart completely. And that's very telling, isn't it? When I read that kind of those stories, see those two kind of characters uh, you know, the, the blind man, and then I see the Pharisees. Sometimes you have to look at yourself and think, how much of those people do I see in myself? Uh, and it's always a rather kind of sobering kind of moment, isn't it? Maybe you're someone who feels a bit like the beggar at times. Maybe you're someone who feels unimportant, overlooked, and disadvantaged. Maybe you've experienced lots of suffering and trauma in your life that leaves you feeling constantly like that. Well, you, just like the blind man in this story, you need Jesus. Or maybe you're someone who's prone to distancing yourself from those who are suffering. Do you say or just think some quite judgmental thoughts about people in life who live in poverty or are different to you? Do you have like a them and us kind of attitude that's somewhere lingering in your heart? Well, if so, you, like the Pharisees, you also need Jesus. Both of those people were blind in different ways. Both of them needed Jesus. It's scary sometimes when we reflect. The truth is we're all, both, we're all a bit of both of those at times, aren't we? If we look inside our hearts, we sometimes can be a bit of those people, probably much more like the Pharisees than we would like to admit. This week, um, uh, a lady called Molly Mae Haig, who is a celebrity influencer. I'm sure you, Barry, I'm sure you're familiar with her work, yeah? Um, she got herself in trouble this week because she said this, Um, in some interviews she said so I understand that we all have different backgrounds and we're raised in different ways and have different financial situations but if you want something enough you can achieve it and it just depends to what lengths you want to go to to get to where you want to be in the future the thing is that's just not true okay life isn't a level playing field is it this guy who was born blind he couldn't have achieved everything he wanted to do his opportunity was very different from a guy who was born into a, into, into, like, to become a Pharisee. The opportunities in their life were vast. 
In our own town here in Lowestoft, the differences are huge. In St Andrew's Parish, which is kind of like Harbour Ward, just down kind of the other side of the bridge near the town centre, in that area there's 42% child poverty and 27.9% pensioner poverty in that area of town. Okay, so 42% of the children are living in poverty and 28% of the pensioners there are living in poverty, just a couple of miles down the road. But in Pakefield, which is just kind of here, just around here, there's only 8.6% child poverty and 9.5% pensioner poverty. The opportunities are vast and different, even in our town. Life isn't a level playing field, is it? If you're a child born two miles apart in our town, the, difference, the chances of you being in poverty are different from 42% to 8.6%. That's not okay, is it? That's shocking, isn't it? That in our town, that is the case. The difference in life expectancy is about 10 years between places, places in our town and places just a few miles outside of our town. 10 years, five to 10 years difference in life expectancy. You see, life isn't a level playing field. The opportunities are different for everybody, depending on your situation. So what's the answer? What's the, what's the answer to this? Well, you're not going to be surprised when I say Jesus is the answer to all of this, because Jesus is the answer in this situation here. The answer is actually God's people, us, becoming more like Jesus, because Jesus is the answer to every situation. Let's pick up the, the final bit of the story. In verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. They'd heard that the Pharisees had cast this guy out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and is he who is speaking to you? He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see And those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. He's talking there about the factors that they can see that he's the son of God, but they're kind of refusing to, to believe it. So here we've got in this moment here, Jesus, the son of God himself. That term, the son of man, He's just another term for the Son of God. It's, it's a sort of Old Testament language. It's kind of what we call like messianic. There's different titles that they put towards who was going to be the Messiah. Son of man is the equivalent of Son of God. Here he is, the Son of God himself, not afraid to go and seek out the outcast. So Jesus had heard. He'd done his miracle, okay, done this amazing life-changing moment for this guy. Jesus could have just gone and moved on, couldn't he, to the next moment, to the next miracle, to the next teaching opportunity but jesus it says that he heard that actually this guy had been cast out and went and found him he went and found this guy he went to seek him out not only to meet his physical needs which he'd already done through healing but to go and meet his spiritual needs as well this is kind of like love in action isn't it really that there's a sense here you just feel god's heart don't you that he's not just prepared to leave this guy where he was even though his life had been changed physically, he wanted him to, put his, to, to, to have his life changed eternally. He wanted to see him have his spiritual poverty met as well as his physical poverty. And it leads to this place, doesn't it, where Jesus talks him through this sense of, 
who do you think the Messiah is going to be? And, and then he says, well, actually, you're speaking to me. It's me. You know, these guys have said to you that I'm nothing to do with God, but actually I'm the one that's been talked about for hundreds of years that all of the nation have been looking for. And this, this moment, this, this guy, at that moment in verse 38, just says, Lord, I believe. And in that moment, his whole eternal destiny is transformed, isn't it? In that moment, by putting his faith in Jesus, just simply acknowledging, Jesus, you are the son of God. Actually, he's now going to spend, we'll, we'll see this guy in, in heaven at some point in the future. We'll come across him and we'll say, I hope you've wiped all that mud and saliva off your eyes. You know, maybe he's got it on as like a bit of, like a, like a, bit of a war paint. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit of a reminder. But we'll see him because he, in that moment, put his faith into Jesus. He recognized Jesus wasn't just some kind of circus act that could make him, you know, heal him, which was incredible. He was the son of God himself. And that actually all of eternity rests on that. Contrast Jesus to the Pharisees at that point. You know, Jesus has words of life. He goes to seek out. He doesn't cast people out. He goes to them. And he says to them, not only do I want to meet your physical needs, I want to meet your spiritual needs as well. You see, that when I kind of read that story and think about it and chew on it, it just makes me want to be more like Jesus. Because you think that's what we need to be doing in our everyday life, don't we, as Christians? We need to be people that are meeting physical needs and spiritual needs in everyday life where we go. I mean, Jesus was just, he says he just passed through this place and he came across this guy. How many people are we coming across every day of our life that we need to meet their physical need and their spiritual need at the same time? Even in our town, as we've said, there's vast, vast physical needs. And we're involved in different ways as, as a church. And we're involved as individuals in many ways of trying to address some of those in very small ways. It feels like a drop in the ocean, but trying to help meet physical needs. But we're also about meeting their spiritual needs as well, aren't we? That actually we need to be doing both as God's people. It's not good enough for us just to, to say that actually we're here just to to stand in our kind of church buildings and, and read the Bible and worship Jesus, then go about our normal business and then gather together again. That's why we talk about stuff that goes on the rest of the week all the time, because actually, as God's people, we do both things on a daily basis, aren't we? To meet physical needs where we can and meet spiritual needs, just like Jesus did. Because our mission as God's people is simply to become more like Jesus. It says in Ephesians 5, it says, Therefore be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. See, our, our mission is to become more and more like Jesus. That's what he's called us to become. So when I read that, I think, well, how do I become more and more like Jesus? Well, first of all, I need his help through the work of the Holy Spirit to do that in me. But also it does require action. It requires me to be intentionally saying, Lord, help me to be more loving to the people around me. Help me to be more loving by meeting physical needs where I see them, being generous with my time, with my money, with my attitude, to lift people out of poverty uh, that they're living in in our town. But it also makes me think I have to bring the spiritual need as well, meet that spiritual need. I need to say to them, do you know that Jesus is the Son of God? Because we will long to see people meet, come to faith and their spiritual need met as well, don't we? It's both things together. And we must grow in those ways some people say um you know churches and, and christian communities over over the centuries since since jesus's time have, have always swung between kind of well we're a church that we preach the gospel um, and that's enough we're kind of a lot of words 
and, and, and the other people say, no, actually, we're all kind of active. We go out there and we try and meet the needs and we love people. And, the, and both groups kind of like almost moan at each other a little bit, saying, well, you're all talk and no action. Yeah, but you're all action and no talk. You know, you're just like social services. Yeah, but you're just like people that stand there, a loudspeaker and don't do anything. Do you know, the church is called to be all talk and all action. That's what we're called to be, just like Jesus was. He was all talk and he was all action. Okay, he, he it was all action. He was love in action. He went to this guy. He met his need. He loved him. The out, the, uh, when, when he was the lowest in society, he went. He met his physical need. He loved that guy. But he didn't just leave him there. He also came and brought his spiritual need. He was all talk as well. He brought the talk. He brought the, the reality, the words of the gospel, and brought him life in that way as well. You see, I think we need... A, 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 rev- a revolution of love and power as God's people. Uh, we talk a lot in, in our kind of churches, rightly so, about the spiritual gifts and how we long to, and we long to see God move in power, don't we? We want to see, you know, we eagerly desire the gifts of like prophecy and healing. We want to see these things happen. I want to, you want to walk down the high street and be able to pray for someone. You might not want to spit on their face or something like that. Far fair enough. But we want to see them here. We want to see God's power at work, don't we? And we kind of talk a lot about those things, the gifts and the power. And we want to see God move in power, which is right and totally the the right thing to do. But we also need, I think, to talk more about the fruit of the Spirit as well. Love, peace, patience. You know, if we as God's people grew in that area as well as that, that's powerful stuff. Because love, loving each other, loving the world around us, genuinely loving people is incredibly powerful and it changes the world around us but it comes with god's power as well you know i think we need to really do both things is what jesus demonstrates to us here and if we're going to be like him we need to do that more and more just imagine the impact on our town if that took place if we as god's people across our town in all the churches and all the places if we all in this year grew more and more like jesus if we grew in love if we grew in power, imagine the impact would take place. You see, we need God's help for that. I do. I don't know about you, but I need God's help to do that. But it also requires my will as well to say, Lord, I want it. I want to grow in that way. We have a, a massive financial needs in our town, financial, physical needs in our town. And I know there's so many people we're motivated to address those needs as Christians. And that's brilliant. I'm, I'm the biggest champion of that. We must do that. We mustn't ever stop. We've got to go further and deeper. That's what God's people do. They, they, they hate poverty and they say it's not okay that there's those differences in our town. That's not okay. We as God's people are called to do something about that in action. And as we do that, we bring them words of life that point people to Jesus and say, he is the one that you are following. This, we do this because of him. You need to follow him in order to spend all of your life, all of your eternity living in the goodness of God, just like that blind man did there. Let's just pray, and we're going to respond to God. We're going to take communion. Uh, if Julian and uh, Kerry could come back up, that'd be great. Let's just pray um, before we do that. Jesus, we thank you for your incredible example to us. Lord, I thank you so much for the, for the Bible. I thank you so much for your word. That is, those, those words have been recorded for us that we can dig into that we can ponder upon we can think about and be challenged lord we don't want them just to be words in a book though Lord, we want them genuinely to change us as people 
Lord, we see the needs around us. Lord, as you walked into that place, you saw the needs of those people. You saw the needs of those beggars. You saw the needs of that blind man from birth that was there, Lord. And you didn't just carry on going. You didn't just, you didn't just go to your planned event. You stopped and you met that need. Lord, help us to be people that stop and meet needs more. Help us to be people that are challenged into action, Lord, in meeting the needs around us, in our neighbours, in our family, in our neighbourhood. Lord, cause us to be a people that are so generous, Lord, that we, we run out of places to be generous too, Lord, with our time, with our effort, with our heart, with our money. Because, Lord, we want to show your love to people through action. But, Lord, also help us to be a people that bring the words of the gospel, of the truth of who you are to the world around us. Lord, we want to do both things well. We want to love people, show them your love, and we want to speak to them and bring them to faith. Lord, we pray that you'd stir us to do that. Help us, Lord, help, help us by your spirit just to go on that journey. To say, Lord, change me. Help me this week, Lord, even today. Help me to be more loving, more aware of the needs around me, and more prepared to give a reason for the faith that I have, Lord. Help me to be that kind of person, we pray. Amen.